Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Movement is located in Newport, Kentucky, and you're always welcome to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Something that's not new, something that's not new is what we've been talking about here uh, these last few weeks. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And if you had to think about, okay, what's like the big teaching that Jesus has, his big sermon, his big message, the thing that ties it all together, the thing that really clarifies things, it's this, it's the Sermon on the Mount. We only have two weeks left to go, and so we're going to jump right in because we have uh, some ground to cover this morning. So if you're following along, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, there's Bibles kind of spaced out in the room, or if you're like me and you have it on an app on your phone, go ahead and pull that up and fire that up, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, and it'll be on the screen as well. Jesus says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, before we jump into uh, one of those kind of arresting, kind of puts you, stops you in your tracks statements of Jesus, let's go back to the beginning here. Talk about the narrow path and the wide gate, the narrow gate and the wide gate, and what we're supposed to do. Uh, essentially, Jesus is saying here is, is beware of popularity, or as my mom, or maybe your mom, or someone in your family used to say, if, if your friend or if so-and-so jumped off a bridge, would you do it as well? Right? Jesus is talking about here that the fact that, that we need to be aware that just because it's popular, it doesn't mean it's good. We all know this intuitively, but of course we all fall victim to marketing. We all fall victim to fads and trends. And so Jesus here is talking to them, these people, about this idea of the narrow path. But understand that when he says the narrow path, this isn't meaning a lonely path. This isn't something only reserved for the monastics, only reserved for the monks and the, the people that kind of live off on their own. It's, only, it's not reserved just for the select few. This is something that anyone can take, but it does take some work to get there. Now, the narrow path and, and kind of how we try to establish things and explain things here at Movement, we use the term pathway. Now, we try to say this is our narrow path because it doesn't fit with the ease of the things that we like. It doesn't really conform to things that we are used to because uh, we want quick successes. We want things that's going to bring more and more attention and acclaim to ourselves. And so we talk about our pathway. And this is just our attempt, and obviously it's not going to apply perfectly to everyone, but it's kind of our attempt to say, if someone showed up at Movement and they said, I want to be a part of this, you know, we don't have a, a formal membership, maybe we will someday, we don't have kind of, kind of some of those rites of passages that can be so helpful, but what we do say is that we, if you are going to make this part of your church, we ask you to prove it. And so for us, we're really, really focused on next steps. What is my next step? So let me take you down the pathway quickly. Step one is to connect. 
The first thing that we want someone to do when they show up to movement is be willing to come back. And not because we're trying to boost attendance or not because we're trying to get X amount of people to log on to our, our live stream here. But we believe that it all starts in relationships, right? And so when we come back, we're, we're kind, of, kind of stopping our tendency to just say, what am I supposed to do? Like our first step, your first step if you're calling Movement Church home isn't to give. It's not to sign up to serve. It's just to kind of be known, make yourself known and connect with other people. And then hopefully and ultimately be open to making yourself fully known to Jesus. Once you've been there, the second step is belief. Now this is that, that saying yes to Jesus, saying, saying yes. And, and maybe you've already done this. And maybe by the time you showed up here with our community, you had already been a follower of Jesus. You're on that path. That is great. That is wonderful. But we believe our call to follow Jesus is in that we have to constantly, we have to continually say yes, not to somehow keep God on our side or keep God from being mad at us, but we have to constantly kind of come back to the basics. We have to constantly come back and say, this is what I believe and this is how I'm living this out. We try to celebrate, we try to celebrate these belief steps. We, we lead people through some things. We lead th people through a simple prayer of belief. And if you've never prayed this before, or if you have prayed it before, it's something that is so simple and it can be done different ways, but simply is this. It's saying that I believe that Jesus is who he says he was. I believe he died on the cross and rose from the grave. I believe he did these things so I can be connected to God. And the wording can be changed, it can be a little different, but it's a simple prayer that I think all believers whether it's for the first time or something we've been doing for years, we should be praying that. And we celebrate this step. We celebrate when someone comes to that place of belief where they're saying yes to Jesus with things like baptism. We, we celebrate it with baptism because that is a symbolic act that God has done something in your heart, in your life. You have been redeemed. You've been saved. You've been adopted into the family. And we're going to celebrate that by doing something that Jesus did and Christians for some 2,000 years have done. We're going to celebrate it with a symbolic act of communion, of the Lord's Supper. We practice that out here every Sunday at Movement. It's kind of our way of saying we're going to come back to the basics, and I will talk more about that towards the end, but this is a way for us to say yes. Now, in this second step of belief, it isn't that you have it all figured out. It isn't that you still don't have doubts or issues or, or, or challenges, but it's, it's you saying what you want to say it's you saying that i want to say yes to jesus that i want faith i want to follow jesus and i believe looking at the bible seeing this in my life seeing this work out and play out that jesus always accepts always welcomes us in at that place so once we've said yes to jesus once we're in that place the third step is to follow now this is the narrow path move. This is a narrow path move. This is where we really start to go down there because in my experience in church settings, what happens is someone comes to a place of belief and then it's kind of like you're good, right? Like, like there's no, no worry, the rest is bonus or we'll just leave that to the select few who are going to run things or whatever it might be. But this idea of following is where this begins to be put into place. And so faith, of course, is all that is required for us to be re reconnected to God for now and for eternity. But we miss out on so much more when we don't follow. The, the two simple ways that we talk about following Jesus here at Movement are with serving and groups. 
serving in groups. We think those are simple ways, but they are not the exclusive ways. We have people who serve here on Sundays. Maybe you've got kids downstairs, and it's nice to have a little break from them, and they're, they're not just like in a room, like throwing, the, throwing stuff at each other and gorging themselves on goldfish crackers, right? But they're down there, and they're actually with other loving, caring adults. Most of them are parents as well, who are teaching them about Jesus, who are helping those kids find and follow Jesus. Maybe you uh, were greeted this morning, you know, as you came in, or the band led us in worship. So many of those folks are following Jesus by serving. Uh, but we also encourage people to serve outside of Sunday morning. There's, there's so many people who do great things and great work here in Newport, North Kentucky, in the tri-state. We celebrate that. We also say that groups are important because we think we need intentional relationships and community. We say that kind of a, a value of ours is that circles are better than rows, right? We're sitting in rows right now, more or less, right? And this is good, and I love to preach, but I think life change really happens in circles. Maybe it's in a living room. Maybe it's on a Zoom call. But when we're together, right there. And we have some of those groups getting started that Joellen laid out. You can see that in the Movement Church app or see that on our social media. But right now, I think that for us, we have a need that is heightened for connection. Like, like never, never in our lifetimes, probably, at least collectively, definitely, has there been so many barriers to connection with such need for connection. So yeah, we got to get creative. We have to get creative, and yeah, you're tired of Zoom calls. <laughs> You're tired of, of staring at a screen all day. You're tired of feeling that distance. However, that connection is what we need. And so, yes, we've got groups that are starting up and uh, post-Labor Day. We'd love for you to give those a try. But also, you don't need my permission to gather. You don't need my permission to get creative here. Maybe there's something that you do that you can invite people into. Now, maybe you invite people, okay, we're going to sit on the back porch, we're going we're to grill out, and we're going to get to know each other. Right, maybe you like to run, or you like to cycle, or you like to barbecue, or whatever it is. that You find something that connects you, something that can bring people together. And you don't have to have a, a big sermon or a big program planned out, but we have to fight for connection. And we, as followers of Jesus, if that's where you are, we have to fight with intentionality to make sure that we are helping people find and follow Jesus because these things aren't helping. So that big plan that you don't have gets replaced with asking those important questions of how can I help? How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? And as you're following Jesus, the step after this is what we call multiply. Step four is multiply. You can call this discipleship. You can call this whatever you want. But this is this idea where we say, how do I as a follower of Jesus help someone else get to this point? How do we take this step? And if you've noticed here, throughout Pathway, there's a trajectory. Now, in every other area of our lives, especially with work environments, the trajectory is this. If we move along that path, we are being elevated, right? We're being elevated with, with responsibility, with compensation, with authority, right? We're, we're being elevated, right? The only other place where when we go along that pathway where our sense of self and our authority and our responsibility goes down is parenthood and following Jesus, right? The more kids you have, the less you're involved, especially for us dads, right? Like we're, we're suddenly way, way down on the priority list. But definitely when we follow Jesus, 
This idea that when we achieve or we move forward, we make progress, that we attract attention to ourselves goes against the ways of Jesus. And so you see in the pathway model here, as people are elevated and we see people step into leadership roles within this, understand that it's always about serving others. It's always about humility and letting others move forward. So our steps of belief are, are these huge points of celebration. But it isn't about what we have done, it's about what God has done through Jesus. We take a step and in, in to follow by serving, by being in intentional relationships and community. So yeah, that means that you're taking on some leadership. Maybe you're leading a group. Maybe you're, you're helping lead a ministry team here on a Sunday morning. But we aren't celebrating that you've been promoted. We're celebrating that you are serving others as you are following Jesus. So as we understand this, as we move forward, this idea, how do we multiply ourselves? It's not about getting more ministry done. It's not about just achieving getting more done. It's not about getting more people here. Because it isn't about the output, it's about the connection, the communion with God. And the communion with God, connecting with God, this is where the rest of what we're going to talk about today goes. This is where Jesus spends time. This idea that communion with God is more important than the activities that we do for God. The, the, the activities we do with, hey, I'm going to get God on my side. This, this, this bankrupt idea that connecting with God is, is so, so much important. So Jesus goes on here, and he's going to talk about trees and fruit. And I was in my backyard. Hey, look out. And so I found a tree. I found this piece of bamboo. Now, now, just for the record, I walked this in this morning, and it was just Rich and I here. And I walked in from those doors, and I brought it. I'm carrying this bow staff or whatever this is, right? This big bamboo stalk. And he didn't know, uh, he never noticed. He never made any comment. Like a half hour later, he's like, who brought bamboo? You know, so, so he needed his coffee. But when I think about this, I think about the trees and the fruit and judging people on that good fruit. I thought about bamboo. Because you can look at bamboo, and if you know anything about it, you might know where I'm going with this, but let me explain. Bamboo is incredibly efficient, right? It grows fast, it grows incredibly strong, it grows incredibly straight. Bamboo, ultimately, is pretty easy to take care of. It doesn't take a lot for it to propagate, right? It's cheap. It's efficient, it's cheap, it's strong, and it has huge impact on the surrounding area, right? It takes over. The bamboo shoots go out and it chokes everything else out. So you can say by some of those measures, some of those things that we value as society, being efficient, being strong, being cheap, therefore being profitable, and, and therefore having this huge impact and influence, these things that we would value, we would say this must be the greatest plant tree known to man. If you have any growing in your backyard like I do, you know how false that is. You know how annoying, how overwhelming this stuff is? You can't kill it, and it just takes over. And so, yeah, by some measure, man, this is the most efficient, most powerful thing that God has created, but ultimately, it's something else entirely. Because you can't judge something just by its fruit. You can't judge things just by what is going on. You could say that bamboo is incredible because it does all these things, but ultimately, it takes over. See, judging the fruit is not about outcomes, right? It's about character. Judging someone else and judging is not about outcomes, it's about character. We have to realize that what we value 
may not be what God values. In the same way that bamboo would check all the boxes for being, you know, you know, it is a sustainable thing and you use it for hardwood and all that stuff, and that's great until it's in your backyard, right? Until you have to deal with it. You know, another example, we know, you know, godly people, people who love Jesus, who have kids, who constantly make self-destructive decisions. You know, people who are wildly successful in business and work, who lack integrity and have toxicity in their relationships, they have greed. The fruit that Jesus is talking about here is not one that stresses the success that we have in our society. It doesn't stress just the outcomes. Because producing a good fruit should come naturally, not through manufacturing. Now, sure, there are orchards and there are are systems and different things to kind of get that supply chain. But ultimately, you can't hit a button and get an assembly line going and get oranges at the end. And so Jesus is saying here that we want a system, we want a method, a surefied way, but his way of going forward, his whole way of living, is something about what's within. The Sermon on the Mount says over and over and over again, it's not about what is the outcome or what is visible, it's what is at the heart. And the Sermon on the Mount goes over and over again, challenging the notions that those who are in power, those who are wealthy, those who are strong, must be privileged and loved by God. Over and over again, Jesus knows, blessed are the meek. In the Sermon on the Mount, we are challenged with this idea about what is valued and what is good. And he goes on, he talks about, in this entire sermon, he talks about the ways in which we would look at someone else. He warns us against false prophets and different things like that. And when we look at ourselves or when we look at other leaders or pastors, we can't judge them on what we produce. We can't judge one another on our outcomes. We have to look closer. We have to pay attention to what's going on beyond the sur- below the surface. Because something that isn't impacted by how smart they are, how efficient they may be, but, or how much they get done, is judged by whether or not they've been transformed in following Jesus. How much connection and communion with Jesus they have. And then Jesus tells us a story. He gives us this picture looking forward that if it doesn't bother you, you're not paying attention. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and 23, he gives us this picture of the final judgment. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me you evildoers. It's attributed, and there's a lot of things that are attributed to Mark Twain, but it's attributed to Mark Twain that he said at one point, it's not the, I think he said, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. When we're confronted with these, these really, really tough teachings, we ask ourselves, what's going on here? Jesus is painting this, this scene of this day of judgment, and Jesus is turning people away who call him Lord, Lord. In fact, these people seem to be doing great things. They've prophesied, meaning they speak God's truth to others. They, they drive out demons, so they're instruments of healing and restoration. They're performing miracles, giving that healing and providing glimpses of the kingdom, glimpses of heaven on earth. But maybe what we do isn't what matters the most. 
maybe what we do isn't what matters the most. I think Jesus is saying here, we can have all the right theology, our understanding of God. We can have all that correct, whatever that, that means. We can believe correctly and we can still miss it. We can go out and serve and fight for justice in the world and we can still miss it. We can perform miracles and still miss it. We can do all those things, and if we don't connect and commune with God, we are missing out. God does not want your work. God does not want your success or your output. God does not want your talent. God wants you. It's such a fundamental thing and something that's almost cliche, and you've heard this before if you've gone to church for a day in your life. But this idea that we can achieve something, we can achieve connection with God, is bankrupt. Look at what he says to them. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. These people didn't make themselves known to God. God, Jesus said that I didn't know you. They were so caught up in the work that they missed God. They focused on the projects and not God. They missed it. And that word evildoers there literally means something closer to those who practice lawlessness. So what does that mean? Does that mean that these were really good folks who broke just a few rules and just, just by, a, by a hair they didn't get in? They, they somehow not follow things properly? No, I think this has to do with what happens when we rebel, when we walk away from the main thing. These people in this story, they did all the powerful work, but they never fully surrendered their entire lives to Jesus. They held back, and therefore they weren't fully known to Jesus. Whenever I preach or have a conversation and the issue of sin comes up, I always am really clear, I want to be clear that this isn't about breaking rules, right? That sin is ultimately anything outside of God's intent, of God's best, right? So that can be things we do, things we don't do. Anything outside of that. So, so in that understanding, is I, I think this is biblical. I think, I think I'm close to something that's true here. This means that diseases are sin. But it also means lust is sin. Just as lying is a sin. Because all of those things are outside of God's intent. Now, I, I don't think God punishes us with sin, I think sin is what happens when we live outside of God's best. Even when we're not doing something, even when we're just holding something back, we are breaking God's law. We are evildoers. Matthew records Jesus using that same word in chapter 24, and, and he's talking again about the scene of judgment. And in 24, verses 11 through 12, he says, And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. These false prophecies talking about in Matthew 7, he's talking about in Matthew 24, what happens is love grows cold. And it's caused that for others. Now maybe you've been sitting here and I started talking about these days of judgment and your mind went somewhere else. I remember one time growing up in church and the pastor was Let's be honest, pastors have a tendency to drone on, right? right? It happens. The pastor is preaching. I looked over, my dad is flipping through the Bible. He's reading something that's not what's being talked about. So afterwards, I was like, what are you, what are you doing? He says, well, he, he was talking about some things, and he, it was funny because he said, I, I kind of lost what he was saying. So I just was reading, and I was reading in Revelation, which is a very interesting book, right? Right? 
this incredible picture of the day of judgment. And, and you might be one of those spots where you say, yeah, Josh, you kind of lost me, but the day of judgment, what's that about? Is that, is that happening right now? Pandemic, upheaval, all this fun stuff that we're going through, right? I mean, the Bible clearly says that looking ahead, that things get worse, right? There, there's challenges. You know, Jesus tells us that we will have trouble in this world. We're not promised, you know, puppies and rainbows here. But what I think is interesting is, is a couple things. People ask me that, and I always tell them, I have no idea when or how or what that's going to look like. Jesus himself says that even he doesn't know the, the hour or the day. Like, that's, that's something that only God knows. But then when I look at the rest of Jesus' teaching on these, these scenes of, of looking ahead and this day of judgment and however that's going to be, and I think ultimately it's a, it's a really good day. It's not like rivers of blood. I think it's God coming down and restoring things and heaven comes to earth, but that's a whole other sermon. But what I see when I read Jesus and when I read the rest of the New Testament, and there's all these be ready passages, right? Get ready, be prepared. They never say be prepared by stockpiling canned goods. They never say that, that you should be prepared by, by just making sure you're always sure who the evil people are and you tell them as loudly as possible. They never say to, to be prepared by drawing clear lines and keeping your family safe. And they never say be prepared by embracing and living in fear. Throughout the New Testament, throughout Jesus' teachings and looking ahead of this moment, and throughout the Sermon on the Mount, the be prepared is be transformed by Jesus. It's issues of character, it's issues of heart, it's issues of integrity. That, that as we follow Jesus, we shouldn't get more and more confident of who the bad guys are. We should get more and more confident, or we should be more and more aware of our propensity to love, of our propensity to forgive, to turn the other cheek, to serve. And so when Jesus is saying this, this incredible scene here, he says in this day of judgment, he's turning people away. He's saying, be transformed because you're not going to serve, you're not going to love, you're not going to forgive others by sheer will of force. It only happens would you allow Jesus in? Would you connect with God? Pay attention to the fruit of your life, not your work. Ask yourselves the hard questions as to whether or not you have fully surrendered all areas of your life to Jesus. Be prepared not with a plan or an argument. Be prepared with closeness to Jesus and see that the next step is on that narrow path and, and maybe you're like me i you know contrary to popular opinion i don't write these things the morning over the night before so i've been sitting with this idea for a little bit and i, and I think i've realized that there's some areas of my life where i haven't fully let jesus in i feel, haven't fully let god in have fully let the spirit in to to transform and not from the sense of i mean i want different outcomes but i want different ways of living and, and to be honest, there are some friendships, there's some relationships, there's some family where, where their, their, their love for me is, is profound, it is great, and I so appreciate that. But it's kind of turned into those comfortable shoes you cut the grass in, right? It's a comfortable relationship. 
It's a comfortable relationship, and it does the trick, and it kind of keeps me going, but I don't know about you, but, but sometimes those comfortable shoes fall apart. And, and I'm realizing that not that I have to go and, like, preach to them, or not that I have to go and kind of, you know, dictate everything about the conversation and the relationship, but, but am I helping those around me find and follow Jesus? Not for the outcomes, but because that's what's coming out of my heart. Because sometimes the comfortable thing could be something that we stay in far, far too long. And so I'd encourage you to examine yourself, examine your life, and think, am I fully transformed? Have, am I being fully transformed? Have I fully surrendered all areas of my life? What are those things I'm holding on to? And not focus on the outcomes, but focus on the heart. Throughout this Sermon on the Mount series, we've been talking about three things we can do. Three things that we can do that you can't really put it on a checklist and you can't get a plan to knock all these things out the first thing is this that every day or on a constant continual basis we need to hear the gospel we need to hear that god did something for us out of love that god did something out did something profound that we couldn't do for ourselves we didn't deserve it and that we've been adopted into this family we need to hear that we need to be reminded of that so in movement we take communion every week as a way to hear the gospel we also do that to live out the gospel. Not, again, not focused on outcomes, not focused on where this is going to go, but saying the fruit of my life needs to be lived out. Not so God will accept me more or love me more, but the gospel needs to be lived out. And the third thing is, and I think this is helpful in understanding, have I surrendered all areas of my life? And looking at things and saying, am I starting with the gospel? Or am I starting with my opinions? Am I starting with the things that I prefer? Am I starting with my comfortability? Hear the gospel. Live the gospel. Start with the gospel. I want to invite the band to come up. And they're going to lead us in a, in a final song here. And, uh, they're going to lead